remind you, 007, that Blofeld's dead. Finished. The least we can expect from you now is a little plain, solid work. Another exciting episode of the 007 Minute, where each and every other day we go over one minute of one of the greatest James Bond movies ever made, the 1971 Guy Hamilton directed feature, Diamonds Are Forever. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm host number two, Mark, star of Agbashar Cerulli <laughs> of uh, <laughs> Illuminar.tv. Yes, and out of, out of the uh, out of death store. Uh, yeah, off the sick ward. Laid low. Yes, uh, would have been a good Bond plot anyway. But uh, we're talking about diamonds on this one, and uh, we're still we're still looking at rocks in a box. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bond carefully being quizzed by M to make sure he's paying attention. Pay attention to most of. Yes, and we were we were talking that uh, M is unusually crusty in this one. Yeah, he's just in a super bad mood, but mm. he got a apparently got a call from the prime minister saying you better do what Sir Donald says. Right. Um, I, we might want to talk about what Sir Donald's role in this is. He is the head of the Diamond Syndicate, which is basically a monopoly. One of the things that they're not talking about in this that he's part of the De Beers uh, South African mining industry. Mm. Right. right. And. Uh, we're going to get into a bunch of stuff this particular minute before we before we get into like the the caper itself a little background might be a, a good thing to talk about here the um all this stuff i mean we're working with mi6 we're working with uh, uh british intelligence but it's also uh relics of the british empire and it's it's all about what's going to be coming up in the next uh scene even the stuff with, uh, with things like sherry and stuff the uh the british uh, involvement in diamond interest went, goes back to uh, Cecil Rhodes, who uh, founded Rhodesia, and uh, basically, you know, took all the took all the rocks out of South Africa to sell them around the world and create a monopoly in the process. Um, and so, the PM, the Prime Minister, has a great interest in making sure that uh, Sir Donald's folks are very happy because a lot of there's a lot of money behind it. Uh, <laughs> which is why you get MI6 to go look up a smuggling. Yes, operation. exactly. Yeah. Uh, we get one last little clue that the, the pre-credit scene is over, finished, as uh, as M says, you know, get your head out of your uh, get your head out of your Blofeld, mm. and uh, let's go in and chat with uh, Sir Donald. I one thing I could not find out, and I've been look, I looked around, I tried to find out who the who the toady guy is that uh, opens the door for uh, to to let oh, M on it. Yeah, I'm sure he had a brief lived career on the uh, convention circuit. We may have to ask one of our future guests about it. If he knows uh, yeah, yeah, knows it is. Great He's probably set. on on Doctor Who though, for sure. Yeah, then, oh uh, for, yeah. <laughs> Anything he was probably selling snow tires or whatever. Yeah. I'm, uh, like, hey, look, Lawrence I was in a Bond Nace- movie. Lawrence Naismith. Yeah. Lawrence Naismith with uh, love him. Jason and the gosh. Argonauts. Yeah, one of my favorites. <laughs> What a set too! All that marble on the walls, very Ken Adamy. Not a not a corner anywhere in the in the place. Right. It's all just you know. Here's a gigantic fireplace in the middle of the room, bunch of you know marble everything, and the the chairs match the paint on the walls. And uh, uh, look at Connery's suit. I mean, that's one thing the filmmakers yeah. they were very fashion conscious. So uh, yeah, in the seventies, wide lapels were in, wider ties, and. Uh, yeah, Sir Donald's got a kind of a narrow yeah. 
Oh, he's a throwback. Yeah, yeah. He's a throwback to the Raj. Bond and M both have the, it almost looks like a a full Windsor or a four in hand. They're really Mm -hmm. full knots. Gosh, the cut the cut on Connery's suit is just fantastic, yep. <laughs> especially compared with uh, Bernard Lee, who seems to be wearing like a house dress almost, the way it's <laughs> yeah. hanging on him. Bond, uh, here he is, Commander Bond, which we haven't talked about since, mm. uh, I guess you only live twice with the list. I think that was the only time he's ever referred to as Commander Bond at the time. Yeah, he did. Just It looked like whoever made his suit here made, you know, maybe it was a guy, his tailor right. in Hong Kong might have done that. And he looked... Uh... Phenomenal in uh, in his naval outfit in uh, you know live twice stunning, and then uh, we get to just a simple thing where uh, Sir Donald offers everybody a sherry. Uh, unfortunately, M can't drink because his liver is a little bit out of whack, and uh, he's offered sherry, which is another. I mean, we're talking here about empire, and this is another piece of empire. Sherries come from the uh, the Andalusian region of Spain, southern Spain, and of course, the southernmost region of Spain is Gibraltar, which is a British holding given to uh given or ceded to uh, britain in 1713 under the uh, treaty of utrecht right which was kind of a they had kind of a massive come together of uh louis the 14th and uh prince philip the 5th of spain and anne of uh anne of the uk of uh the uk and i can't think of who it was for the netherlands but they all came together and just kind of settled all the borders and since uh, spain kind of had the pants beaten off of them in the uh War of Spanish Succession back in the seventeen early seventeen hundreds, Britain wound up with basically the choke point of uh, the Mediterranean, mm-hmm. and you know a lot of Spanish influence there. So you've got these sherries. The sherries are a type of fortified wine. You uh, you basically take wine, put it in a cask, and let it uh, ferment even more, and you get these. Uh, I mean, if, if anybody has not tried sherry, you really. <laughs> Really have to get out there and try a really good solid sherry to understand how um, mellow this tastes and how. Uh, how does it compare to port? Well, that it, it, port's it is kind a, of sweet. Yeah, yeah. It, but the 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 sherry has a you know it's a remarkable flavor. It's almost like a scotch to me. That's it, that's how you know it's it's just so smooth. It, it's when he's talking about it's a fine solero. Solero sherries are solero simply because solero, which is uh, from the Spanish word for ground. What they do is they take these big casks of uh, of sherries types of types of uh, port you know fortified wines that are that are mellowing and they'll drain off maybe ten percent of that particular cask that particular vintage and then they'll add from from a newer cask they'll add in another ten percent and slowly dilute the mixture with newer stuff. So that it's always, it's constantly, it's, it's like, it's the same barrel, it's the same stuff in it, but it keeps getting updated with newer things. And you only have like maybe a 10% difference. So if you have a particular flavor, the flavor is going to be around for a um, hundred years in that one, you know, in that one barrel, because it'll just keep, they just keep trying to tune it so that it's the same taste as previously. And you're drinking older sherries. When uh, Bond says here that it uh, it's uh, it's a fifty one, he's actually talking about when that particular Solero started life in the cask, <laughs> and and uh, as I'll say, to, well, it's it's the first words of, of tomorrow, but we'll talk about it today. The first words he said it's eighteen fifty one. So that cask has been at the time here it had been going for a uh, hundred and twenty years of uh, of constantly tuning and tweaking. And of course, Sir and, Donald would have it. 
Yeah, yeah, because you know, I mean, he's there in Gibraltar, gets gets a bunch of it pumped up regularly. <laughs> I mean, he's he's not in Gibraltar, but he's he's got contacts, obviously. Uh, I mean, the man controls the world's uh, supply of diamonds. They don't really get into this today. How much of a nasty business that all is? But we'll we'll talk about that a lot more tomorrow, or I mean, on on Friday. Poor uh, M doesn't get to try any of this. Yeah, he can't try it. Although I love, he says there is no year for Sherry. Even I know that. Yeah. <laughs> M did have just one little bit. And this, again, the classic um, Sean or Bond one-upping him at all, at all corners. <laughs> Effortlessly, uh, too. Yeah. <laughs> but if you, if you look at the scene, I mean, just the, the little touches all over the set, you know, in, in the background, uh, uh, you know, it just looks like, a, like an upper class, you know, English gentleman's office. Yeah. If you were, if you were in a government agency that was responsible for like, like lots of money passing through the nation that's pretty much you're not going to you're not going to have like a a steel a steel desk and a and a wheeling chair it, you're going to you're going to have the the drinks cart <laughs> yeah when i was growing up watching this movie i thought that can't be real nobody has drinks carts at in offices but when i went to work for british aerospace that was a uh, a common sight in most uh, most offices there. I mean, it was like something out really? of Bewitched. I was quite surprised. One of the uh, uh, the American the American commercial office of British Aerospace. I can talk about these things because I don't work about work with them anymore. One of the most common things there was they had a rather large conference room with a long, a very long, like maybe ten to twelve foot credenza, and the thing was packed ear to ear with. Uh, different types of scotch, uh, every gin you could think of. Mm. Uh, they had martini glasses. They had uh, rocks tumblers. They had, uh, uh, in, in, in terms of sherry, they had, you know, they had sherries, cognacs, brandies, any kind of uh, fruity wine or, you know, for, fortified beverage that you like. Um, well, I mean, it's Mad Men showed us in the yeah, 60s yeah, yeah. and probably even, you know, definitely rolling over into the 70s. I mean, you know, yeah. having a couple of drinks at lunch was, was nothing unusual. Yeah, no, and this was, you know, it's all part of the sales thing. And this was, I was working there in the 90s when this was going on. So it was quite a, quite an unusual thing. And rather, I don't, I mean, we do have that in American companies now. There's always like beer bashes and things like that. Some of the high tech companies do on the weekends and they'll have, you know, that kind of stuff. But with liability being the way it is nowadays, I think a lot of companies just backed off and said, no, not on the premises, at least. Uh, It's just, it's just interesting seeing that. Yes, let's let's start it off with a little uh, relic of empire, with a little tipple, as they would say. (laughs) Yeah, I was, I was trying to think, what time of day would you be meeting with somebody? Wouldn't you be meeting with them like nine o'clock in in the morning? Yeah, you had your uh, kippers and eggs, and then came over for some. You and I had a had a nice uh, uh, port a few weeks back with the birth of my uh, second granddaughter. Right, right, celebrating celebrating her, uh, and we had a a great. That was a forty year old port, I think. I think it was. Yeah. 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 Very um, nice. Yeah. Well, now we now to celebrate this, we'll have to get a sherry. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I don't know where the fifty ones are, but quite a uh, quite it's quite a taste. It, it's hard to describe, but uh, very memorable when you have. I mean, it's well. I mean, when we go to Vegas, uh, my wife and I, we uh, we go to this one Greek seafood restaurant, and the appetizer we always get are these giant red Mediterranean shrimp. And they're so big, you snap the head off and fill it with sherry and drink that. Out of the head? Yeah, out of the head. Wow. Yeah. Delish. Uh, 
Okay. Yep. Mm, here's the recipe. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have to we'll have to get a picture of this. Right. Yeah. This is uh so far. This is where we're at. We're, and we're, compared compared to the scenes that have gone before, this is kind of mellow. But this is you know expository. It's setting things up, and uh, yeah. you know. And Guy Hamilton's so great that this doesn't drag at all. It, it keeps moving. And Yeah, and he doesn't really go in for a lot of close-ups here. He does cutaways when Bernard Lee is talking. But it's just generally a master scene. And it's how you would be watching action take place. You'd watch it with two shots, three shots. Not a, not a lot of need for a close mm. It is kind of a... Uh, uh, I keep thinking of the old cartoon of uh, uh, Colonel McBrag where you know, you're just kind of, here, let's all sit down by the fire and we're gonna, we're going to have a little... Uh, bedtime story about what happens with diamonds. He does uh, ease you into the uh, get, getting ready for for a lot of uh, minutes, minute after minute of exposition. But we'll uh, we'll carry on more with that uh, uh, on the next show. Yeah, that that's, that's the end of the lesson for today. I think. Yes, I think we should go get a solero and, and call it call it a day. All right. Well, glad you're back on the men, Mark. Thank you. We will pick this up again uh, for ten minutes in at episode uh, minute ten coming up. Uh, if you'd like to hear previous episodes, we are always available online at the big site, uh, 007minute.com, 007minute.com. It's right there. You can find us on Twitter and uh, chat back with us, uh, 007minute, at 007minute. And uh, also on Facebook at Operation Grand Slam. Look for us. There are a lot of people joining and uh, a lot of things to say. So uh, we will see you here back uh, for episode episode 10, minute 10, on the 007 Minute. So until next time. Cheers to Bert Saxby. Bert Saxby? Yeah. Tell him he's fired. <laughs>